Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's a Dapper Devil production, see? All right, hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Glee. Glee. Aggressive. Aggressive. Oh, Glee Aggressive. (laughs) My name is Karina. My name is Ian, and you're hearing a third voice that is not just the voices in your mind, my friends. Um, The voice belongs to none other than an actor. Ooh, what an introduction. (laughs) I'm just a rude mechanical to you people. I'm just a piece of robotic recitation meat. Um, you know what? I feel like that is all the introduction we need (laughs) for fellow podcast host of the Song Topsy Report and Dapper Devil Production C, Mr. Stephen Trollinger. Welcome, Stephen. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very pleased to be on a show that doesn't have a 45-minute long introduction. We keep it snappy. We know what we're doing. We fill our 45 minutes in well worse places. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. On our program, what we like to do is we like to uh, dither for 45 minutes to an hour getting ready for the show and talking about our week and rapping and, you know, just catching up. And then maybe at like an hour 15, we'll get started kind of a little bit. You know, Two questions. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt you, Karina, but one, I appreciate how you called it your program like my bubby would have. And two, or my grandmother, both of them called them programs. Um and two, when you say rapping, are you guys actually, like, rapping, or are you, like, wrapping up the week and, like, um, recapping? A little bit of both. Not in the sense that we are actually rapping, but that we're using, in this case, I'm using the word rapping to infer a loose-flowing conversation with no ultimate end goals. A rapport, perhaps? Mm. No. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> also, I'm bad at improvisation. I don't know if I made that abundantly clear yet. I'm very bad at saying yes. That's okay. This is not a show to say yes to, let's be honest. Yeah, um, we've already said yes to something we shouldn't have. Um, and on that note, take us away, Karina. Well, uh, my, before I talk about which episode we're watching today, I do have to ask Stephen, which is, have you watched any Glee besides this? Okay, so... If you went to God and you asked and you good asked start, him, good start. And you asked him, Lord, create for me a man whom I would not assume to have more than a functional knowledge of the TV show Glee, the good Lord above would snap his slash her slash their fingers and I would be created from the sea foam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched this show for about three to four years. I fell off after they, uh, uh, and that's another thing I wanted to bring up. I know Ian hasn't seen this show, but have you seen, you've seen the show? I've watched this show three times. Okay, good. So, because I've already spoiled things for Ian accidentally. Yeah, it's okay. You, so, you didn't spoil too much. I was watching this and thinking, okay, like, Steven didn't give away the whole, uh, the whole thing. The whole shabagal. The whole shabagal. I don't know how much to say, because I don't want to spoil, like, future episodes for you guys. And as I was listening to, like, your previous episodes, I kept finding myself answering the questions you were asking. Yay! Uh, so hopefully I won't do that for you because, you know, because I don't want to ruin the spontaneity for Ian, at least. So the good news is you've already suffered. Yes, so I have, at least for the first four seasons, a more than 
functional knowledge and uh, for some reason you know i've completely stored it on memory banks i i don't know why it's still in there but it like ian said oh you're doing the episode theatricality I'm, ah the lagaga episode yes <laughs> yeah good yes. um yeah that's the worst part about glee is that it's sometimes most of the time not very good and also sadly extremely memorable and that's just a curse you have to bear i mean the thing about that show too is that it so it, it's interesting because it's performative in all sorts of different ways and one of the ways it's sort of obnoxiously performative in is in like a social commentary category mm-hmm. so like the show really tries to have something to say but it really goes the, the sometimes the really wrong way to say it like it was like oh we're so inclusive look this the one of the main characters is in a wheelchair okay does the actor <laughs> actually require that wheelchair Ooh. no okay then Glee is like the encapsulation of like it's just that um, meme of the poorly drawn star that said you tried <laughs> oh my goodness but yeah. as it were we are here today to talk about as Stephen mentioned season one episode 20 theatricality this originally aired on may 25th of 2010 um and and as we're recording it's may 27th so yeah um, we're we've somehow made in the, the stars ballpark. align yeah i think there's an astrology term for that but i don't care enough to look it up synchronicity sure syzygy that that those also sound like the episodes of glee that could be yeah. Synchronicity. Yes. Yes. Oh wow. Oh yeah. Good start. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you, Nick Brigadier. I can do that shit too. Yeah. I know these episodes. The girls fact, are fighting. These episodes, yours and Nick's episodes, will be um, compared and contrasted at a later date to see who won. Yeah. Um. We will ha- be having people defend their dissertations around them. Oh God, disgusting. Um. Anyway. <laughs> I don't like the idea of dissertations. I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Not even Glee, just dissertations in general. Anything, you shouldn't have to defend your schoolwork. The fact that you did it should be enough. That's all schoolwork was in my day, was just, you made a thesis, now fight to the death over it. But this isn't my- a podcast about my crippling anxiety from my high school days, yet. Well, anyway, let's talk about this show. <laughs> Sure. Um, my first note is the recap is trying to desperately remind you that they were able to get Neil Patrick Harris last episode. But he nothing about him comes up in no. this episode at all. No, it's just really bragging. It's just, yeah. I mean, good for them. That was a good episode. Didn't need it. And then they tried to make jokes. Right, like they were trying to be very humorous in this. And my other note here was, oh yeah, Finn and Kurt. I distinctly remember watching this show when it was on first i watched it i didn't watch it religiously like it was like ooh, the new episode is gleon i would catch a you know i would catch it online or something after the fact and for the most part i actually would watch the show via youtube clip mm. like i would just like okay all right let's look at the numbers all right those were good i kind of pieced together the plot of this in general from those numbers <laughs> yeah yeah so we open up on Tina and Will in the principal's office, which is already weird because we don't care about Tina generally. So that's kind of a pleasant surprise. And um, and when we do, it's because she's like being an angel. Like we 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 want good things for Tina. Well, too bad because this is when only bad things happen for Tina. She's yep. no longer allowed to dress goth because Twilight Fever is sweeping the nation. Principal, what is this? Not Higgins. Figgins. Crap, what is his name? Figgins. Figgins yes. Yeah. Principal Figgins thinks vampires are real 
Yes. And he, none of us can prove that he's wrong. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Um, but I do like the idea that his concern has to do with Twilight because there's literally nothing less goth than being a Twilight fan. Yeah, that was real. The whole thing, looking back on I watched this today, so A, yes. we'll see how much I remember, and B, looking back on it, like, looking back, um, it feels like a ham-fisted premise for a setup of what we're about to get into. That's, like the, that's the summary of every episode of Glee. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Also, um, Twilight was huge during this time. Like, they're not wrong. Twilight fever was real. It just wasn't goth at all. Right. He also had a line where he said, studies, you know, studies show that a proper dress code can, uh, you know, lead to better school experience. And I can state unequivocally that having a dress code did not make my parochial middle school experience safe and nurturing. So I had a problem with that line of research. And, like, thinking about, like, dress code policing, even, I mean, nowadays we're very, what's the, we, we, there's definitely an indictment on uh, dress code policing, Mm -hmm. but for 2010, this felt like a weird thing to be policing. It would be one thing if if the idea was, Tina's not herself, we see these signs of low self-esteem, we're worried about her, but... No, it's, we're not allowing goth dress clothes. I mean, it's definitely, I think, probably trying to tie into, like, some satanic panic shit. Like, the same way, like, moms were all scared about um, magic when Harry Potter came out. People being scared Mm. of, like, the occult when Twilight came out probably happened. It was probably just overshadowed by how badly everyone wanted to fuck them. Yeah, valid. That's all of the Twilights. They just wanted to fuck the Twilights. Yes. Um, so that's, I'm guessing, where this plotline came from. And also, they needed a way to talk about clothes, I guess. Sure. Um, All right, check Twilight off the list, then. We've done our due diligence. I mean, if you want to talk more about Twilight, I can make that happen. I do not. Please, please okay. make Thank you so much for offering. Yes, please make that a different show that I'm not Bonus on. Bonus episode about Twilight and the Twilight Renaissance. Got it. Tina says All she's right. not allowed to watch the Twilight movies because her parents think Kristen Stewart is a bitch. Um... Here's the thing, they're right. Kristen Stewart is a bitch, and I love her. She's the bitch. Have you ever seen the paparazzi photos of Kristen Stewart just walking around with two middle fingers up because she didn't want them to be able to be used in magazines? She just yeah. she always looks miserable. Yeah, I think that's just her face. Yeah, I've never seen yeah. I've never seen her smile really. Not that I she know, needs to. It. Look, guys, not that she needs to. I'm not. Also, I'm not saying she would look pretty if she smiled more. I wasn't saying that. <laughs> She also looks You backed away great. from that edge real quick. She looks great now, and she looks great as Princess Diana. Like, if you want to get your mind fucked, Google what Kristen Stewart looks like playing Princess Di. Is that a, is that a project she's doing? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. It's great. This I have isn't no a idea. Kristen Stewart um, podcast either, but... Yet. But we cut to Kurt and... Uh, Kurt, Bert, Finn, and Finn's mom... Uh, I'm, tr- I'm Carol. I, I'm. I was forgetting her name. I, I'm so sorry, Carol. I'm so sorry. And the announcement that Bert and Kurt are here to welcome Finn and Carol into their house because they will be moving into the Hummel residence. So I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say this up front. Uh, Kurt's dad is hands down my favorite character in the entire show. First, oh, you're right. First of all, valid. First of all, Mike O'Malley uh, has just been a, somehow a part of my viewing life since I was a child. <laughs> 
because he was in um, he he uh, he was a Nickelodeon host for uh, t- uh, Nickelodeon's Guts, I believe. He was. Yes. yes. And then he yeah. just, he just Holy shit. and then he just shows up in like sitcoms every so often that I just and usually they're the type of sitcoms that I don't watch when they're actually on. I watch when they're on in the middle after the, the afternoon during the summer. Mm-hmm. Sort of sitcoms. But And he's always delightful in them. Yeah. And and his character has a lot of like very touching growth throughout the course of the series. Um Yes. And it's I, and I didn't ex- I didn't expect it. Like he starts out very much like again a ham-handed represent, just like the whole premise of this high school is like okay, let's make the most. I don't know how many people actually have this high school experience anymore, but let's make the most uh, Hollywood version of high school that we can. We're like oh the you bully kids are bullied and like people are treated different if they're not quote unquote normal. I don't know if that's still the experience or if that's just Hollywood's frozen ideal of the Hollywood experience from like. 40 years of Americana but that that's that wasn't my experience but I, I again I don't know but like it made it seem like he was going to be that type of character that's like oh gosh knuckle dragger old school male doesn't know how to make sense of everything and that's where the comedy right. will come from but instead they actually pushed him forward as a character and made him like an understanding and by the you know several seasons later like a really touching person to watch like most of his stuff with Kurt and eventually with Finn as well, are just super touching and well-written in ways that this show does not pull off all the time. Yeah, they're really only the most successful with with the character of Bert. Like, he's really the only one whose emotional touchstones remain, like, consistently well done. Which I think probably still ties into the fact that, like, this storyline, for the most part, is the one that Ryan Murphy knows how to write for the best because it's the one he's experienced, maybe. I don't know about Ryan Murphy's relationship with his dad, and I hope to never know that, but and and yeah, we don't need that. And my second favorite character is Brittany. So those are the two favorite characters. Those are the two characters the show writes the best. Yes, you are correct. And, and one of them is very touching, and one of them is just whack job. One of them is a is a is a comedic savant that can just say any line that she's handed. And I I know her last name, Ian. So I I do too. Okay. That's fine. all right. All right. I was gonna was gonna say <laughs> it's fine. Wait to wait I to know hear what, that what the is. last name is. Yes, we won't spoil it for um, any of our listeners who are um, watching the show along for the first time, like me. You um, poor people. But yeah, so uh, Finn and Carol are going to move in with the Hummels, and it was Kurt's idea, and now it's weird. Also, they have a snack table set up in the basement. and They do. I don't know if you parsed all these lines of uh, Bert trying to very awkwardly offer some snacks. He said, we have some food. Some of it's ethnic. Well ethnicity that isn't ours and then kurt very quietly goes it's a tuna crudite it's not ethnic oh my god i think i was writing down um these notes like i I remember hearing them but i didn't note them but yes that is that is and then uh finn goes off he's pissed i yeah i i like how so the the recap i believe for the next episode goes into um it goes into a thing that you should that was never made clear in the show, but for some reason they put it in a recap as a, as if to say, okay, well we covered that, which is the fact that yeah, Finn's reactions to Kurt's attraction to him are very you know caveman Neanderthal, mm-hmm. uh, but Kurt is also very pushy, like his yes. his whole thing is also not cool, 
but the show doesn't necessarily go out of its way to show both sides of that and then they sort no. of shoehorn a single line in the next episode's recap where the the fast talking person was like and also kurt's been really pushy and was like, oh all right yeah. well i thought we were gonna that's you didn't say anything about that in the show that is a great point because we've talked about that that exact point on this episode um like how any like sincerity of that of kurt's feelings are kind of undercut by that pushiness predatory is the word we predate yes i honestly just forgot that word guys i'm so tired um <laughs> but yes it is very much that because finn and kurt are going to be sharing a room so i can't claim to know how houses work but if the point is to move into a house with more space but this house still only has two bedrooms did they really get more space? Maybe more space, but I'm surprised they don't have a third bedroom. Also, this house they said has as a two and a half bath. Yes, it's that's three toilets. That's good. That's three that's, toilets. That's good. That's I, don't, I, I would move in just for that. But I mean, but they only have two bedrooms. I feel like for every bedroom, well, you can have at least one more bedroom than you have bathroom. I think. Yes. A bed yes. for every toilet, and a toilet for every bed. That's I mean that's this that's administration's promise. Trollinger twenty twenty two. Yeah, run on the um the toilet platform. They're all toilet platforms. <laughs> also, like <laughs> Kurt's bedroom looks like a converted basement, not as much as it was like uh an actual like made bedroom when they built this house. So basically I just yes. don't believe in how this house is set up. Maybe it's an Ohio thing. Maybe, especially because the whole Hummel premise is that they have money. Yes. So you would think they have A, the space, like they say, and B, the bedrooms to match the space. Any whom, um, they're going to play games, and I just, like, even the subtitle uh, of Kurt's mom just going, sorry. So they're going to play sorry. I had to listen to that several times because on a part that was slightly after that, I was trying to, like, a line was moving too fast is something I wanted to look up. So I kept having to use Netflix's, like, watch the previous 10 seconds. And it kept just getting right back to that one part of... So I heard Carol say, sorry, like, four <laughs> times. And I was like, oh, it's not funny anymore. Oh, no. We cut to the choir room with the Glee kids. Um, and they are just flat out suggesting looks that Tina should try. Meanwhile, she is in a full depression tuxedo with just the oversized hoodie and, like, the hair and the lopsided ponytail. Um, this is the real cry for help, Also, well, Also, Quinn's suggestion of computer programmer was slightly racist. Oh, a little playful racism. I wrote that down. Mmm, yes. I also, the joke I was trying to, having to listen to Carol say sorry for so many times was that Tina describes herself as an Asian, Asian Branch, Branch Davidian. Davidian. Yes. And I didn't know what a Branch Davidian was, so I Googled it, and then the first <laughs> result was about the Waco disaster, and then I went, uh-oh. Yep. How come every time there's a pop cultural reference I don't know and I Google it, it always turns out to be something that's, like, super disastrous? I'm actually, I, I was gonna say, I'm actually surprised if you were a consumer of podcasts that you didn't just randomly hear a podcast about Waco, because it's- I mean, like, I have no listened to episodes about Waco. Yeah, it's, like, number <laughs> number five on the list of things that people do podcasts about. Glee fandom um, is a cult of sorts. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Rachel comes storming in, uh, having been recently dumpster diving at a high school that we know to be 
four hours away by car. That's the only way um, she yes. enters a room, so I don't even know why you needed to qualify. She's concerned because she found red Chantilly lace in the dumpster, and that can only mean one thing. Gaga. It's the Gaga episode. Okay, somehow Puck and Will Schuster do not know who Lady Gaga is. Meanwhile, it is squarely 2010. Just Dance has been out for a while. And I think... I think... Her first album, maybe her first two, I don't remember. The, like, I'm not a huge Lady Gaga fan, so I don't know the timeline. But she was very well established pretty off the bat. <laughs> um, so the fact that w- Will Shu doesn't know who Gaga is is bonkers to me. I usually define it as sexy werewolf music. Ooh! That's correct. Um, I also got very confused because you said Just Dance, and I was like, the video game? Yeah, Ian, there's like... 20 of those already. <laughs> um, I use one to exercise during the quarantine. <laughs> me too. Nice. Her, ooh, excuse me. Her EP came out in 2009, mm. and that's what had Bad Romance on it. Also, I appreciate that because they didn't know, because they, I guess because they assume people, some people in America, middle America maybe, don't know who she is. They had to do a full introduction a la Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Um, I didn't write any of the details down, but it just reminded me of, this is Olivia Newton-John from the movie Musical Grease? Um, there's one thing that I wrote down, which is Puck makes some un- un- offhanded comment, like, oh, who's Lady Gaga? What, like, calls him her a dude, like, is he a dude, like, he yeah. dresses up like Bowie. And Kurt's voice fully breaks on, Lady Gaga is a woman! Like, he is so viscerally upset, he cannot hold himself, he's going through puberty right there. <laughs> yep. Yes. And it's and Lady now, Gaga. And then they cut to Lady Vocal Gaga. Adrenaline doing the Lady Gaga thing. This week, their assignment is Gaga. Okay. And Will makes a big fucking deal out of it because that's... Okay, so, Karina, yeah. I thought at this point in the middle of the episode, I feel you, like you might appreciate it. Will's whole thing is kind of like a lazy version of Finn's whole thing. Whereas Finn, you can get him to do anything if you tell him he's a leader. Mm-hmm. Will... We'll just go with whatever music trend he learns of that Monday. Correct. Yes, by the end of the episode, if, you learn that Mr. Shu has no curriculum, and he freely admits it almost every other episode. Yes. Right. If you just say a word around Will Schuster enough times, he will try. He will decide that that is the lesson. Exactly. Um, he gets better about it as the show goes on. <laughs> the thank I mean, God. The, the issue, a lot of the issue is almost every TV show doesn't actually get good and know what it's about until season two so Mm -hmm. with very few exceptions almost every tv show season one is scattershot at best and a slog at worst so like a lot of shows i i get into i don't get into until like season two uh like community is a great example it was parks and rec parks and rec great example the off is a great example community it not only does it not get good till season two only seasons two and three are complete good stories mm-hmm. because by season four everything starts to fall apart. Sometimes TV is confusing. And this episode of Glee had everything I love, which was just Adina Menzel being right. Adina Menzel. Um, yeah, we cut to them rehearsing the ostensibly. I think that's bad romance, right? The red with yeah. the face. And it, uh, sure. my only note here is, man, remember when this music video was literally all the culture we had as a society? That is so fucking true. <laughs> Between, I mean, between the two leads, between uh, uh, Lea Michelle uh, and, and Matthew, oh crap, what's his last name? Morrison? Morrison. Morrison. Matthew Morris. Between the two leads, 
recurring guest stars like Jonathan Groff, eventually mm -hmm. Darren Chris, mm -hmm. uh, Adina Menzel. Like this show was for young Broadway what The Good Fight is for old Broadway. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. It, but Jonathan Groff wasn't on this episode, I'm just realizing. He was, he was, he was, no, he right. was not. <laughs> but, but it was, uh, I did remember that. I was like, oh yeah, there's a shit ton of people. Like, I remembered after watching, rewatching this episode, I was like, I'll go back and watch a few more episodes. Like, oh right, there was a whole episode with Carol Burnett. I didn't know yep. that. Yep, yeah, they did. They got Carol Burnett. I, for, I forgot about that. Wow. But yeah, uh, the world's weirdest combination for a stakeout team is here, which is I Quinn, like Mercedes, and Rachel. Yes, you know I was wondering what Quinn was doing here. Because Maybe. Quinn and Rachel have never been, like, friends. Maybe Quinn's the only one who can drive. <laughs> Perhaps. Um, we know she has a car. Yes. Maybe they didn't know when they wrote her in, and instead of speaking up about how it didn't make sense for her character, Diana Argon was like, yeah, I need more screen time, so sure, yeah, let's do this. I'm not complaining. They did it as a favor to Ian. Yeah! They're watching Idina Menzel be like, hey... You gotta, this is, you don't know what theatricality is. I know what theatricality is. And she says, I love this quote. You can't just douse yourselves in gasoline. You have to light yourselves on fire to make it work. Which, you know what? Cool. I mean, yes, that's fair. But then she sings this song. <laughs> Funny girl. And this, I thought of you because this time it's an E flat, not B flat. And E rhymes with a B. So it's a conspiracy. <laughs> Karina, exactly. Karina, correct me if I'm yeah. wrong or if I'm forgetting something. At any point in this show, did Mr. Shu sing You Gotta Have Heart from Damn Yankees? No, I because don't think so. what the ever-loving hell, guys, like, how, Ryan Murphy, how do you not, like, it's the, I don't know how he doesn't sing that song at least once a like his Every whole episode. his whole yeah his whole thing is that song for all of the cast at all times except for the random episode where he has a weird thing with the guidance counselor other than that his whole thing is you gotta have heart like i don't know why he's not singing that to them every it's five even minutes more of a crime because there's a glee episode entitled heart so jesus um yeah, it. Oh man, and I bet like Matthew Morrison's would actually sound pretty good singing that song too. Probably. Yeah. There, the only there's thing. There's no I, song from Damn Yankees in all of Glee. I just looked it up, and uh, now I'm sad about that. Yeah, and uh, the only thing I really can't forgive him for is a uh, sexy Grinch. I will never mm. understand why the idea was, hey, let's. We're he's going to be the Grinch for the musical. Oh, okay, well that's a decent idea. All right, no, but we got to make him sexy. Why do you have to? No, he's the Grinch. You don't it's, have. Is to that make what him they sexy. ended up doing with him? It's have the you ever Grinch seen a who fucks? Yeah, have you ever seen a picture oh, of his no. Grinch? Yeah, he yeah. looked. No. Yeah, Ian, you have seen a picture of his Grinch because I definitely texted to you at least three times. <laughs> I think I texted you a picture of the Grinch this week. <laughs> Shows you just how easily I block that out of my mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd apologize, but that's too funny. Oh, no, I just um, mentioned it to you, but I did send you this picture of Matthew Morrison doing the mashed potato from Hairspray. Yes, yes, there was some um, Hairspray content in the group, and, oh, well, not the group chat. <laughs> the, the group uh, chat of uh, your chat. Yes. Um, um, so, Adina Menzel sings Funny Girl, which, of course, now, this is naturally the Adina Menzel fantasy fulfillment special, uh, similar to how we had the Leah Michelle Rachel Berry fantasy fulfillment special because there's only room in each episode for one fanny bryce clearly but 
I loved it. There's one I of mean, those. There's like three or four of those a season, though. Like almost every other episode is her getting the. Oh well, you always wanted to do this Streisand number, right? Oh, you always wanted to do this uh, Audrey McDonald number, right? Oh, you always wanted to do like that was the whole reason she's in that show. Yes. Sure. Um, it's is it does feel like she has a sixth sense, like she knows Rachel is there and chose this as her siren song. She's like, I will sing mm. this, and Rachel will not be able to resist me. Like she's a she's a mermaid on the rocks. Um, I love that. Here's my question though. Um. Maybe I just don't know what the word theatricality means. This didn't feel very theatrical <laughs> to me. Um, <laughs> she was very emotional. She sounded really sure. good. Well, I don't know if it was very theatrical as much as mm, that whole segment, that whole, that whole song leading up to that moment afterward as, just as you were saying, Karina, that Lee Michelle almost a la Christine in Phantom of the Opera just levitates and gravitates towards the front of the stage to Adina Menzel to say, hey, what's up? Hello, I'm your daughter. That whole segment felt very musical theater. It felt like a great theatrical moment, but I don't think it is synonymous with the kind of Lady Gaga, um, almost melodramatic, over-the-top theatricality that one tends to think of when they think of the term theatricality. Oh, yeah, I don't... Steven's about to give us a um, a well-thought-out tome on this. Yes. Uh, I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing here. Yes. Okay, yes. good. So, I... There are, there are episodes of this show that flow very nicely. Like, the musical selections are done in such a way that they, as any good musical does, enhance the story you're trying to tell. Like, I... I a, a, music theater uh experience i had once the um the not the the music director was trying to explain it to us and I, uh, he said it's like the when when people wonder well why would a character sing here the character sings when there's the thing that they're trying to express and the feeling they're trying to get across cannot be adequately communicated in mere words and that is why a character breaks in a song in a musical which I thought was always like a very beautiful way of putting it. And sometimes these episodes can be written and structured like a, a good musical should be, where the songs are chosen not to be shoehorned into some sort of theme, but to actually, uh, you know, like that episode where when Finn still thought the baby was his and he was singing to the singing to the baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what the song was in question. It was, it was the Paul Anka one, right? No, he was singing I'll Stand By You. Yeah, the yeah. Song yes. I'll Stand yes. By You. Yeah, that That's one. a very good Cory Monteith. Yeah, thank you. His, uh-huh. I remember him not being, like, the strongest singer, so they had to do, like, a lot of tuning on him, and also, like, his his range was sort of limited. But I always thought he did a pretty good job with the stuff. Like, when, like towards uh, that one season, that one episode where he does, like, the meatloaf covers, I'm like, all right, yeah. Yeah, you can get, he can get up there. He can get up there Exactly. This is what Nick didn't agree with me about. Uh, so, but he, you know, a lot of times he tries. Uh, but, you know, he had he had some good moments where, like, if you found the right material for him, he was great. But if you try to shoehorn him into something that wasn't his, like, in his range, it was kind of, like, flat. So in this case, this episode is one of those shoehorn episodes where they are not picking material that adequately, like, maybe Beth towards the middle of the show. But other than that, they're not adequately picking material for the express purpose of 
getting across what these characters are feeling. They're just try sticking to the theme. So, like, by the time we get to the end of the episode, it's like the writers ran out of ideas. Like, they were like, oh, we had, like, three three Gaga songs worth of relevant material, but we need a fourth one, so I guess we'll just have them sing this. Uh, we'll get to that. Hmm. Um, also, but I don't know. Cor correct me if I'm wrong, and this might just be a weird thing for me. I don't know why, but I've always been under the impression that if you give up a kid for adoption, you don't continue to live in the same town as that kid for the rest of your life. Well, huh? they don't. I mean, they don't. They live four hours away from each other. <laughs> I feel like we'll talk about it more, but she goes back and forth to Carmel a lot in this episode. Yeah, she's got a really fast car. She's Just got a fast easy. car, and they never exactly. did that either. I don't think they ever did any of I her music. Didn't. Bummer. No, they didn't. So yeah, I was I was watching this, and like I can tell it's emotional and probably good, but not a song that I super like, and did not feel like it was portraying the theatricality it needed to. I don't particularly care for Funny Girl, but I... I thought she did a great job with this, and I thought the, I don't know, like, I thought the whole moment, like, the whole moment with Rachel Berry gravitating towards the stage, I thought was really cool. Yeah, it made It wasn't sense. musical theater, um, but it was theatrical. Again, I feel like all of this is to say exactly what we've said in the past and what Stephen was saying earlier, that they almost hit the nail on the head, but they're always just off. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I will say I had a whole ass moment at the next part where they yes. cut to Rachel and her mom. Like, Shelby. Yes, thank you. Idina. Um, having a conversation in the empty auditorium and I wrote down I was like, Oh my god, like this is the most dramatic way you could sit in an empty theater to have a conversation. You're they're sitting yes. a row apart and four seats down. And then like thirty seconds later Rachel says out loud even the way we are sitting right now is so dramatic. And I was like, I called it. Rachel, you're right. I, I appreciate that they acknowledge that. It felt, I don't know, it felt so much better that they were able to kind of laugh at themselves with that a little bit. Mm -hmm. Also, you know how most high school students know the Arthurian legend of the Fisher King enough to understand it when it's casually <laughs> thrown out as a reference in a like heartfelt conversation? You know how, like, that's most American high school students? Yeah, the American education system is really on it. I don't even know what the Legend of the Fisher King is. Now, I don't either. And I'm an adult. Ah, good. Stop Same. talking for 15 minutes. I will tell you the story of the Fisher King. No, I'm not going to do that. We have time. <laughs> no, I won't do it. Okay. All right. All right. I'll well, Google that I later. I guess there is a wound. There's a wound that never heals, which is relevant because that's what it feels like to, I don't know, be a foster mom like not foster mom, not a um, foster mom surrogate man. surrogate mom sorry um <laughs> just to idina menzel was putting a lot of her own baggage onto a 16 year old girl who showed up to her lady gaga rehearsal yes and then she yes, realized that much... she realized that towards the end was like uh wait no never mind this isn't no this, this was isn't a, a good conversation yes let's let's right. depart which yeah um Oddly enough, I, I didn't hate it. I, I didn't hate everybody there. I didn't hate Leah Michelle in this episode. Um, yeah. Okay, but this little scene did have one of the fucking funniest, weirdest bits of writing, which was, Idina's like, how do you feel? And Rachel goes, thirsty. thirsty. And then she goes on to say, when I was little, my dad would give me a glass of water when I was sad, and so now I can't tell if I'm ever sad or thirsty, which is like 
the weirdest bit of like her dad's pavlovying her away from being sad they're like oh you're crying just drink some water i don't know how to parent who comes up with that that's the weirdest shit to have in your head I mean, I will say they're not entirely wrong, though. Like, sometimes you just, like, you just need to drink, you just need to drink another glass of water and, like, your headache goes away a little bit. Like, Yeah, but sometimes you also just need to be sad. <laughs> that's also true. I'm not disagreeing with you on that either. If she, It's true. I do know many people who are like, I have a headache and it's either, you probably need to sleep or drink some water. But it just feels right. like a weird thing to do to a baby. Sure. Sure. Why were her dads training her like that? So, we cut back to, I guess, um... Oh, so Will's in his office googling Lady Gaga, um, which I don't care about, but yes. the guys don't want to do Gaga. So that whole scene where Finn walks in on Mr. Shu and Mr. Shu's in front of the computer going like, did you know this about her? Did you know this? It just smacks of, uh, like, it, like it, you could have said, Glee episode 20, directed by Lady Gaga's publicist. Yeah, right? Right. A hundred percent. Her publicist demanded there be a scene where somebody waxes philosophical about her many achievements. Yeah, that's very much it. And oddly enough, overall, I expected there to be more Gaga the way the Madonna episode was all Madonna. But there were only a few Gaga songs in this. And that's partially because the guys don't want to do Gaga. Will's like, okay, let's find a solution. And Finn says, we already have one. So... First of all, Finn walks into this office and has the gall to say, you aren't listening to us, the white men, enough. Which is something that no one should ever say. I totally forgot about Imagine that. Imagine thinking, as a guy, that your opinion isn't being heard. And I guess if there is any place for it to be, it'll be in your high school glee club. But still, the audacity. We always do what the girls want to do. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure. Also, like, at the top of this episode, when they're talking about Gaga the first time... Puck has literally already mentioned David Bowie, so I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, that's they, a good point. Spoiler alert, they don't do any David Bowie in this Yeah, I was going to say, that's a missed opportunity. There should be more Bowie. They only do one David Bowie song in all of Glee. Really? Yeah, and it's not for wow. a while. So Damn. Hold your horses. If oh. I got cast in that, that would have been my episode. You would have been the you yeah. would have been the Bowie guy. I've been working on my Bowie. Bowie. Challenger. I've been working on my Bowie for years. Maybe in the Glee. Yeah. Um, in the reboot. We cut to the hallway, our favorite place to have mm-hmm. life discussions out loud. Um, Puck wants to name the baby Jack Daniels, but it's a girl. Um, and Quinn is like, "Hey, I'm giving up the baby, you idiot." Yeah. He's clearly trying to win her favor back and be in the baby's life, even though she's giving up the baby. Um. But then we cut to Tina wearing that bubble outfit. Which is a real Gaga outfit. It was. I totally forgot about it. I wrote mm-hmm. this was a thing because... Yeah. Yeah. Also, Jenna um, Ushkowitz, uh actually had to hold her breath, I read, between when she wasn't speaking while they were filming because the, they were so tightly packed on the dress that they would squeak if she moved or breathed. Yeah, oh, that's not surprising. Makes sense. And um, she's in that for the whole episode. Holy shit. I think all of the... Yeah, and I think all of the Gaga looks are based... I think they're all based off of uh, a look. I think you're right. Because I, I recognized Quinn's from something. Mm-hmm. And when Rachel Berry comes back with that outfit, I recognize that. Um, I don't know from where, but... Um, Lady Gaga was literally the only culture we had. None of them had the meat dress. Um, thank God. 
the thing about this scene is Kurt and Tina get approached by the bullies. Yes. And they say what I think is the worst line ever written in television history. Go on. Is one of them, I don't remember which one, one of the bullies comes up and goes, in like an actual serious tone, goes, well, we're not Gaga for Gaga. Yeah, that was pretty bad. Is that Karofsky? Probably. It was Karofsky or his friend. It didn't help that that those are the aforementioned in previous episodes 35 year olds playing high school hockey players I, just, I can imagine all the writers going around and patting each other on the back like did you all see the excellent joke we just wrote her name is lady gaga and you can also call yourself when you're gaga, gaga. or something so get it they are not gaga for gaga because if there's one thing bu- if there's one thing bullies are known for while they're bullying, it's clever wordplay. Right? Exactly. And exactly. it's for using the phrase gaga about anything. Um, I think the right. more accurate thing would have just to have called them names, but you know, let's make a fun yeah. pun about this woman's name. Then there's also a weirdly long bit about supercuts. Yes, I actually I loved that bit. I'm I just, fucking love that bit. They're, I'm so like they confused. went from like terrible writing to just perfect spot on supercuts content. Kurt yells, "Have fun at getting to your or don't be late for your appointment at supercuts." And Karofsky tur- like turns around, and says something, and then goes, "And by the way." You don't need an appointment at Supercuts. And this is how he says the next part. He goes, they love walk-ins. And he says it with this tone that makes me feel like it's supposed to mean something. (laughs) But what the fuck could that mean? It means that Supercuts loves walk-ins. Duh. But the way he says loves walk-ins, is it a sex thing? Is it like, what does it mean? Also, why are the bullies being funny? They're the bullies. Why are are you giving the bullies funny dialogue to have? I just don't understand. I don't understand why we talked about supercuts so much and why I was like I was supposed to have just been insulted, but I didn't know how. Um, like, how do I don't you go know. from saying how do you go from saying like and they love walk-ins to like five episodes later being I'm gonna fucking kill you. Karofsky literally threatens a man with murder, but no, let's talk about how much you love walking into supercuts. Oh, I also love like if you want to switch it up, go from Gap to Banana Republic. And I'm like, that's, that's the same the parent same. company. Only one is twice the, the number of... Yeah, twice. one is twice the money. One is just twice as expensive. Anyway, this whole scene was dumb. I loved it, though. I don't, I'm sorry. Like, I love this scene. Not for the name-calling, but, like, just for... Just, I mean, if nothing else, for that Supercuts bit alone. Glee really said, let's make bullying fun and flirty. I feel like they've been doing that with Santana. Yeah, but then they didn't do it to Santana, who was herself fun and flirty they said let's make the jock bullies who have previously only been terrible to other people and done a lot of homophobia let's just make them fun now sure so we're back in the glee club in the choir room um little will says little monsters take a bow and i out loud said for fuck's sake everyone looks great here still unironically refer to themselves as little monsters oh yeah like it's out there but everyone looks great Quinn looks amazing. Brittany with the lobster is just arguably excellent um, and very funny. Um, San- and she says that, I believe. Yes. Herself. Yes. She says, my you look terrible. The, my costume's great. Yeah. <laughs> you look um, terrible. Because Rachel comes in with, like, stapled beanie babies to a toga <laughs> because <laughs> her dad's because her dads don't know how to sew. Even when, even when the show came out, 
I, I even when this first episode first aired and I watched it, even then I had a moment where I thought, are they trying to, uh, like, purposefully make her dad's bad at sewing to counter preconceived notions of gay men? Like, is that was that the point of like, oh my my dads don't know how to sew, or was it just a way to explain? Like, I always felt like there was some sort of ulterior motive to that line of logic. It does read, especially... It, well, for me, it always read weird because as it come, like, comes to pass later in the episode that she's like, my dads can't sew, so I need to bring this problem to my mom, who can definitely sew, which has weird, like, home ec connotations with it to me. Yeah. Like, there was almost something like, even though they're gay, they're still men, so they can't sew. That's exactly what I was noticing, too, like... Uh, there's, I don't know, I, it, it felt, it felt sexist in a way. Like, the woman, like, because Adina Menzel is a woman, like, she's gonna be able to tailor a dress to Leah Michelle's body. Because she's a woman, and because her parents can't do that, because her parents are dudes. Yeah, yeah. it felt weird. Um, um, I do love that the, um, the one frog falls off of, uh, Leah Michelle's dress, and Kirk goes, we have a jumper. <laughs> and like a frog. Um, I ranked all the Gaga costumes from who looked the best to who looked the worst pre Rachel makeover. Sure. Um, do you have one post Rachel Rachel makeover as well? No, but I could. It's easy. Sure. She just moves up once. Great. Mm, she moves up two in the line. All right. Uh, because the top is Santana, who yes. looks phenomenal. Yes. Um, she also gets the best part in the number. Yes. Which, this number I also quite love. Then Quinn. Um. Then Mercedes, Brittany, Tina, Kurt, Rachel. I agree. But I give Kurt some special props for uh, rocking the claw, the claw heels. Oh the yeah, whole time. yeah. Because those shoes look impossible. I believe it. I'm good on heels. Good for you. But the claw ones. My wife the... is nodding in agreement. She's <laughs> good on heels. I've seen it. Amazing. But could you wear a pair of claw heels? Rent me a pair, and I'll show you. Yeah, All right. let's do it. Pencil that in, Ian. Bonus episode. I could be in kinky boots. Yeah. That's probably um, true. So, I mean, my note... So they do bad romance, and my note... My yes. first note is good for Tina, because she is just living her best life up there. Also, there is a little bit where it's, like, slow motion, and it's Rachel Berry just open mouth, like, to the side, and it was the funniest <laughs> fucking still um, that you can't see because this is an audio medium, but go look that up. And, like, <laughs> in the middle like of the song, yeah. she looks like a zombie. It is so funny. Um, also, there also, was solid, uh, solid solo distribution in this song. Yes. Yes. Um, the thing I had is that they're all standing in a line, and the part where it just goes "Hey" in the background, Kurt just sticks yes, his head out. Yes. Like, like it was. That sound was my music. favorite part. Yes, that was my favorite part of the number. Yes. <laughs> is is Kurt just in the song line? Hey! Like doing that, just <laughs> yep. sticking his head out was my favorite part of the number. I could rewatch that one bit over and over again. I did. Um, I watched it three times because I was writing notes while it was playing, and I was like, wait, no, no, no go back. Excellent. Um, Yeah, I liked this number a lot. It had a lot of, everyone seemed to get their moment. Santana got the best part, and she hit it like nobody's business. Watch out, man, romance! Exactly. Yeah, uh, just like that. But Santana, too. <laughs> yeah, I, that, my, my, Corey's, my Corey's better. I like this number a lot. Bad Romance is a good song I don't listen to anymore because it was from a decade ago and I don't yeah. think about it. But I was like, oh yeah, I like this song. It's a good song. 
once again, the only culture we had back then. Absolutely. Um, but shall we move on to the bathroom? I don't like that that's how that sentence starts, but I mean, you're right. Sure. Sorry, folks. But yeah, so now like Finn is putting on his face paint and Karofsky and friend come through and start making fun of Finn and they say a fin pull a fin pull which is i almost clever um that's the one good joke from this yeah karofsky and company bullying at large yes exactly you need someone bullied call karofsky and company they're the 35 year old men in hockey jackets they're they're letterman jackets ian oh oh wait hold on my bad real quick because this is when they definitely retcon them to be football players because when they're bullying kurt and tina in the hallway Kurt's like, we're just expressing yourself just like you do where you wear your hockey, I mean, your football uniform. Yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. Not everyone, you you just assume they're hockey players because you are just mainlining <laughs> Letterkenny at all times. Wait, he I, assumes they're hockey players because, like, several episodes ago they said they were hockey players and then never bothered to change it until now. I mean, well, that's during, that's, that's a winter sport after... Like March, you don't do hockey anymore. But what season football. is it? We never know what season it is in Glee. What Gleason? What Gleason? The reason for the Gleason. Oh, terrible. You're welcome. Anyway, um, so like they say some like homophobic stuff again. Um, yeah, but they say the- he has a bad case of the gays. Yes. Um, but what I do appreciate that they do, even though they, even though it's a terrible thing to say, is that they say, "How many times do we have to tell you this?" It doesn't make you versatile, it makes you bisexual. Um, which yeah, is, I didn't like that line. Which is not a great line, but I do appreciate that they call out the number of times that they have had to make Finn choose between sports and glee club. Yeah, I wrote there, down how many times do we have to do this fucking high school musical bullshit. Yeah, mine was all in caps too. So there's a... Just this... There's a the, the notion of, like, an exasperated bad person. Yes. <laughs> just, I... I had like for a long time I had a character that a, a friend of mine uh, he 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 made the joke and I just sort of ran with it but it was uh, called the exasperated racist <laughs> so he'd just be he'd just be like a guy being like look I don't know how many more times I have to tell you this I can't understand you go back to your country like just <laughs> just the just just I'm just tired of having to tell you the same racist shit over and over again man you gotta just get it okay. <laughs> Oh man, that is this—it's the same energy. They're it just is. so tired of having to bully him for doing sports and songs at the same time. Troy Bolton. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I for the last time, this is the last time I'm gonna say this. I can't understand you. Go back to your country, white power. Look, I don't know how I can make it any clearer than this. Uh, I will make sure to not use that one isolated clip as our um as our um. <laughs> weekly promo our advertisement for this yeah yes. with it with no context added yes no that would be and just yes. and tagged you so many times yes. wherever yeah, you're no, those who said it you're no nick brigadier ha <laughs> that's true um that was made very clear by our <laughs> previous episode um but yeah so rachel comes back to this high school that's four hours away yep. um and first of all my note my first note is why the cape she enters like like, as if she's trying to be a sleuthy detective. Well, I mean, we know why the cape for practical reasons, but also I can guarantee, as someone who owned a cape like that, you're just always looking for a reason to wear it. Okay, I'll believe you. Honestly, like you know, I will believe you. You buy the cape, and you're like, this is great. <laughs> There's no more dramatic piece of clothing than owning a cape. I still kind of want to own a cape. And then you're like, 
well, I can't just wear the cape around because then I'll be the girl who wears the cape. <laughs> so I need to find reasons. And then you're like, oh, this is a good time to wear a cape. That's why I wore the cape to a party in college once. Excellent. I was like, when is... I wore... I was about to say what party, but I knew you'd tell me. I know what party. And I was like, what party did I wear it to? I wore that cape to the party the night that I, like, met Zach. Um, like officially that was the party we had to go hide in the basement because it was a speakeasy and the cops came that is so cute oh my god i love this <laughs> that Aww. was a, yeah so but i wore a cape to that so that should tell that's you amazing oh i love that yeah it was a not actually a great party in a lot of ways yeah. but you know but you met your like, husband i mean i had met him before but that was a, sure. a seminal night right and i was wearing a fucking cape <laughs> power of the cape man it helped it seemed yeah the power i don't know if it did the I'll power um cool so and then my next so my next two notes are in all caps mom question mark because she just go just goes up to adina menzel and goes hey mom i need your help yes karina yeah that's because she's a child <laughs> and people keep not treating her like a child in this episode i think at one point they mm. even call her an well, adult they, which yeah she's not. well she's um, also not a child i mean she's she's a teenager but she's also not like a child she child is. like no but in terms of this her emotional maturity is not particularly high and she's no. not having the right response i'll give to you this that situation and the actual adult in this situation idina menzel should have shut that shit down yeah. immediately and probably shouldn't have tried to contact her in the first place. That's probably why the moratorium yeah. when she was 18 was there. Uh, contact contact her or secretly send a spy in. Right. To, like, there's contacting <laughs> your the daughter that you gave away. And then there's, well, I don't want her to know I'm contacting her. So instead, I'm going to press gang a teenage boy who I have power over to pretending that he's going to this other school which i don't know how the scheme works with his parents and like his like there's he lives with his uncle fill out <laughs> guys to just school. be like go pretend you're go, go pretend you're going to that other school so that you can you know make contact with my daughter who doesn't know i'm her mother and then feed me intel like that's obviously the um, lack of emotional maturity mm. runs in the family you know this is the first time we've really sort of laid the whole plan out in one sentence, and uh, I'm starting to think that Idina Menzel maybe wasn't such a good person. <laughs> um, I'm starting to think she was maybe in the wrong here. I don't know what either of you are talking about. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like this. She's she's really not... No one's handling this situation well, but at least she gets a yeah. sick outfit out of the whole situation. Also, my question, how much gas money is Rachel Berry putting into the, these car rides? Oh boy, what were gas prices like in 2010? They were better. Were they? I thought they were higher. I haven't really driven it right now though. I haven't really filled a car with gas in about 6 years, so yeah. Right, cuz New Jersey. No, cuz I live in New York. Right, cuz they fill your tank for you in New Jersey. Yes, that well that. that too, but I still have to pay for the gas in New Jersey. <laughs> That's true. They don't they don't get <laughs> I still have to free. pay for the gas. Um gas prices right now are terrible, so I would assume they're slightly better. That sucks. And we've never had any proof that Rachel has a car. Maybe her dads are driving her. Maybe they're cool with it. That's definitely Fine. not the case. Uh, well, if, uh, yeah, I feel like her dads would not be cool with her being like, hey, so I know who my mom is. Let's go drive four hours both ways. You know, this is one of those things that Glee just doesn't want us to think about. Yeah, we're splitting hairs over Glee, and that's not cool. That's, no one needs that. 
Um, is the point of the show, though. Ex- yeah, you know. <laughs> Dear Magic Spoon, please sponsor us. Um, but also, uh, then we get back to the whole, like, uh, my dad's can't sew, so mom, make me a costume, please. Um, we've talked sure. about it. Um, sure. My next note is just the guys do kiss, and I'm like, what guys kiss in this episode? <laughs> Guys do kiss. That's a fun grammar puzzle. I would have liked this episode more, probably. Which is funny, because my note about this is, how straight is kiss, really? Like, the whole point of doing kiss was so they could be straight while still being in costume. But, like... I mean, kiss kiss came about during a period in rock where... uh, 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 We were talking about David Bowie earlier. Like, he Mm -hmm. was... He was like the godfather of, of like the whole glam rock movement where you would you could be a rock star but also embrace like certain elements of theatricality that up until that point had been missing from like your your who's and your you know rolling stones. So, you know, they have their levels of theatricality as well, but like you could say you could be manly and wear a shit ton of cat makeup. Right. It's a lot of cat makeup. And also I feel like a lot of glam rock stuff, like, a lot of the why behind it can just be kind of explained away with cocaine. Mm. Um, I learned, this is nothing about glam rock, but I did learn, because several people sent me the link to it, that uh, the reason that ABBA wore those over-the-top costumes was uh, so they didn't have to pay taxes on them. So that Wait, how does that work out? Because, at least in Sweden, um, they could write off their costumes if they were so outrageous that you could kind of prove that they would never be worn as regular clothes. Sure. Like, if they were so specifically costumes, then they were a tax write-off. So ABBA was like, fuck it, let's perform. We are poor. Let's perform in wild outfits so we don't have to pay taxes on these Fine. You do what you gotta do. So maybe that's what Kiss was doing, too. Probably not, but... I also also forgot that... that Finn was the Phil Collins of, of <laughs> New Directions because yes. I when when this started when this when I watched this number again for the first time I was like oh right he's also a drummer mm-hmm. there's only one other person I know who is the lead singer of a group of people and also the drummer of said group of people and that's Phil, Phil Collins. Collins yeah you you don't see that in any other, I I don't know any other musical group where the lead singer is also the drummer right sort of the band Five Seconds of Summer. That doesn't mean anything well, to either see, of you. I, no. I didn't know that group, so I, I'm I still, I'm telling the truth. I don't know any groups that, that that happens in. And even Five Seconds of Summer, I don't think the drummer does. They're like a boy band, so they all sort of sing, but I don't know if, but he definitely plays the drums. Great. If you want to look more into Five Seconds of Summer, <laughs> just find um, me on Twitter and we'll talk about it. At Epic Adventure of. Um, yeah, we'll get but, to there. Um, what did you guys think of the song? It's fine. All right. I don't did anybody like... else? Did anybody else wish their theater department had pyro? I that sure was do. my big question. Yes, ha- we have talked about the budget so many fucking times on this show. Where did they get the budget for pyrotechnics? For pyro and near constant levels of orchestral backup. Yes. Um, and how did if we've also established that boys can't sew? How did they get those costumes? We know that it has nothing to do with Kurt because Kurt is all over the Gaga side of things. Well, yeah. they're kiss they're kiss costumes and that's so their costumes are so iconic that you could buy them off the rack. But those look really good. Like they fit very well for they someone are. who's supposed to be able to buy it Spirit Halloween. I, I did write that Puck um Rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> it's Puck but Frankenfurter. Interesting. It kinda I it wrote, kinda gave uh, me Frankenfurter vibes. Uh, 
I wrote that they uh, all look good with long hair. Don't even, uh, if you guys, if I don't mess this up completely and you guys have me back on, don't have me on for the Rocky Horror episode. Ian, put him in for the Rocky Horror episode. No. Done. I hated that episode so very much. (laughs) That's one of my favorite shows. Same. They they just, they did not do that show. Because they couldn't. They couldn't do that show justice with what they were talking about. And with the location of the show in a high school. Yeah, it's right. not even that, that they show. didn't do it justice. It's just that there was no world. They should have never tried to do it. Right. But that's an episode for another yes. day. Uh, anyway, don't put me in that. Um, I don't really care about Kiss songs. They sounded fine. They it was sounded fun. fine. Um, the, they looked like they were having fun. It felt like how I would feel if I was watching either Kiss or a Kiss tribute band, which is to be like, yeah, kind of neat. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But... I think we have a very like momentous moment in this scene, mm-hmm. which is Mike Rutherford Matt. has a lot. Fuck Matt Rutherford, you fucked it up. I fucked it up. I thought they were just both Mike. Um, no, it's Mike Chain and Matt Rutherford. Yeah, he has a full line out loud. It's a full line. Mazel Tov, Matthew. For everyone who's been waiting for to hear him speak, you can't even see his face when he does it. I was just going to say, like, you might not even know it's him because he's in full cat makeup. Um, I thought it looked like a panda. Maybe that's it. Steven, is it a panda or a cat? I'm actually less familiar with the guy who took over after the other guy left, so I couldn't tell you. Sure. (laughs) Cool. Um, Then they finish off with a gong. That's fun. I just like that Tina says in the middle of uh, the hallway, I couldn't stop picturing him licking stuff. Yeah, I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I did. I thought it was funny. Um, I mean, I just don't want to think about Finn licking stuff either. Well, I don't either, but it's a funny line. Um, Anywho, (laughs) anyway, um, I guess, uh, oh, I guess Finn is the one that's like telling Kurt, like, this isn't i'm not comfortable with this everyone already thinks we're boyfriends and kurt responds let them think what they want finn fully says this is ohio not new york um which as you know ma'am this is ohio is basically Mm -hmm. our um our third subtitle of this show um my note on this is that no other person on the planet earth has ever said the phrase what's your problem it's just a moist towelette with that much emotion behind it before <laughs> that is true that is also very true um i also thought it was weird that uh finn what time what time were they performing that glee number if finn chose to travel home in his full face makeup it must have been either very late or he wanted people to see him in the makeup because I did Which cats once no and we wanted people to see us in the, that cat's makeup. That's why we went to the mall after a show. Ian, I, you are my dear friend, but God, I hate you right now. <laughs> That's warranted. Um, was, so that, but was, was that version spelled K-A-T-Z? No, it might as well have been because it was Rockland <laughs> County and I grew up with like 47 cats's. Ian but played monkey strap. I did. And we all know who he fucks. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Listen to our other oh, podcast. Dear. Yeah, this was a, like a whole thing. It's it was, this was, okay. Closer. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but no, um, I it. guess my, the, the whole point of this scene for me was, did we have the term fragile masculinity in 2010? Because that's all this felt like to me was, it's okay for him to be kiss, but... It's not okay for his now uh, sort of brother roommate 
to have feelings for him. It's one thing if you're, I get being uncomfortable with it, because um, it's clear that he has feelings for him, but it felt a lot more about Finn's constant battle with masculinity it's, than anything. It's Kurt not really respecting good boundaries, and it's Finn really not knowing how to tell him that in any healthy way. And it's it's Finn having gay panic. Yes. Yes, that's it. Um, it's just some mild homophobia. Yeah. Um, which to be and he doesn't like this episode this episode ends ends better but he doesn't it's one of the it's it's this it's like comic books comic books are a long form serialized form of storytelling and if you have a character like a batman or a spider-man that's existed between uh 60 to now 80 years like you status quo is god so mm-hmm. you are constantly telling stories that revolve around the notion that this character hasn't learned anything mm. like you you want to tell this story like oh this the spider-man story about about you know uh, oh spider-man learns a, learns a lesson about this uh and then 20 years later someone else in the in the exact same canon tells a different story where Spider-Man learns the thing you thought he already learned 20 years ago yes. because that's just how it works that's how you have to tell the story you have to constantly be under the assumption that this character hasn't already learned this yeah and TV is a, a TV's less of a long form but it's still a serialized storytelling and this show does not this show maintains that sort of status quo as God, where, like, you think Finn's learned his lesson. And I, I know people, in general, don't always learn their lesson, and then it's learned forever. But to keep the forced drama going, you have to have Finn learn this lesson in various degrees over and over mm-hmm. and over again. Right. So, like, this episode ends with him learning a lesson about being a man and what it means to be a man in this day and age. And then, like... A season and a half later, there's another episode, like 15 episodes pass between this season and the beginning of the next season where it happens like three more times before right. uh, before the wedding episode where like, yeah. okay, maybe he finally got it. And then maybe, and then he, he more or less did after that. But like, you've got to, this, what is it? I was, I'm a theater person. I should know this. What is that sense of like, this, uh, of disbelief that you're supposed to have? A suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. that you're supposed to have about. All right, well, there's one thing. It's one thing to suspend your disbelief. It's another thing to buy into the fact that this guy still hasn't figured out how not to be homophobic to his, like, stepbrother. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I mean, we're about to get more into, like, that whole thing because we're about. Um, he comes back to this all newly made up bedroom. Um, right. But right before that, we have Adina Menzel in Matthew Morrison's office, um, uh, sort of sussing out this whole thing. Rachel's fragile, she's special, and uh, I don't think you're committed to this reunion as much as she is. Um, Don't you hurt her! Pretty much. That's like, yeah, bottom line. And she has this whole monologue where, like, uh, she can't have kids. She got surgery, um, but she wanted a daughter. And right. she wanted a daughter, but the daughter is essentially now a grown-ass person. Um, so the piece of parenthood that she wanted is now impossible to have. Um, 
which kind of explains away the whole flightiness of Adina Menzel's character after having sent out Jonathan Groff to lure Leah Michelle into her trap, essentially. Um, <laughs> Real quick, I know we just, like, have a habit of not using character names, but the idea of <laughs> Adina Menzel gathering up Jonathan Groff and sending him out to lure Leah Michelle. I'm just picturing him with a big box and a stick and she gets under the box and he pulls the rope and then he brings this box full of Leah Michelle to Idina and it's a whole thing. And this is all happening at the stage door of Spring Awakening in 2008. <laughs> no, okay. I, I was thinking of it more along the lines of a of a new generation Broadway uh, starring in a telenovela. Ooh. I like that. Um, um, yeah, she just basically drops this big bomb of, like, I can't have children, and I'm... She literally basically spells it out. I can't have children, and I'm trying to use Rachel as a replacement daughter for the one I can't have. And right. that's probably wrong of me, which is, yep, you hit the nail on the head. There you go. Um, you did it. I was going to say, so would you say that the the surrogate mother is now using the daughter as a surrogate? <gasps> oh, my God. Ooh. Did we learn something today? No, we no, didn't because it's Glee. Is this good writing? No. no, we absolutely did not. Shout it, shout <laughs> it, shout it out loud. Uh, I do like after um, that number ended, Will said what I was thinking, which was that was good. Loud. Very loud. And I was like, was loud. Yep. No, no, he he was saying what I was thinking. Uh, why did you do that? <laughs> also what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, oh, we're here now. Yeah. All right, well, are we ready to talk about the scene that makes everyone uncomfy? Yep, let's uh, dive in, kids. So um, I will say, first of all, Kurt has bad interior design taste. This room is ugly as fuck, and maybe a little bit of cultural appropriation? Have, I'm not ha- sure. I agree. Have either, of you seen, have either of you seen the movie Batman Forever? No. I think so. So in the, in the middle of the movie, there's a scene that takes place in Two-Face's <laughs> lair. And Two Faces Lair, and this is a Joel Schumacher directed motion picture. Ah, so, t- like two- the Phantom. Yeah. So Two Faces Lair is split down the middle, like you see, like a camera, a big like crane camera shot of the whole like warehouse. The whole warehouse has a line dividing the middle of it, like I Love Lucy style, and in exactly in the middle. And on one side you have the Harvey Dent side, which is all white and black and classy and upper crust and nouveau riche. And on the right side, you have the two-faced side, which is all purples and reds and blacks. And everything is like, there's flames everywhere. Mm Because like the Harvey Dent side, there's candles. And on the two-faced side, there's torches. And even like the dinner, the dinner that's set out on the table is also split in half. Where like half of it's all burnt and, and like full of like st- like sterno alcohol and the other is bubbly champagne flutes and you know like uh, delicious ham that's what this that's what this room is this room is that yeah this room is two fa- is two faces house i just don't understand why he thought why kurt thought any of this was just a good idea in general because it's not kurt... good looking well kurt has as we've questionable taste and also is like living in his own little fantasy in his head where he's going to design an oddly sensual bedroom for him and his stepbrother and it's going to spark a romance like whatever kurt's thinking is weird diluted and wrong um yes 
Yes. And that's the title of my autobiography, so he doesn't get to use it. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, um, that, is, that is copyrighted IP right there. So, like, Finn's discomfort at this situation is not unwarranted. Agreed. But then you use the wrong word, and whatever yes. your whatever your argument was up until that point, Out the you window. now have lost the yeah, argument. You, Out the window. His discomfort was warranted, but he went about it in the wrong way, and he said, let's pull out a slur for this situation. And then it's slur time, because then we hear it a couple more times. Just like, yeah, just <laughs> buckle up, because not only, I mean, he says it in a fully derogatory way. Yes. He, he says, hey, he was saying it to the sheets, guys. I mean, sheets yeah. are people too, Steven. Nope. Um, <laughs> nope. It's just like, this is like Glee did a slur, and it's weird, and it's something you really don't expect to hear out of TV at this point. It, I don't even know, were we cool with it? We clearly weren't cool with it back then, because that's why Bert comes down to yell. Um, but it's not, like, great to hear. Um, right. And it really does mean that, yeah, Finn loses all of, like, the footing he might have had in an argument because he took this, his discomfort, and pushed it out in a completely wrong way. And then Bert calls him the fuck out mm-hmm. to say, like, that's no. Bert's the greatest, that's because Kurt's dad is the greatest written, the I, best written character in the entire show. I exactly. love this speech. It hits so hard. He, like, yes. spends the whole time talking about, like, because Finn tries to play like, no, I didn't mean it that way. And like, Bert is like, the hell you didn't. Like, I know what you meant it. Why? Because I was the same way. I would have also said it about kids. And yeah. an interesting also parallel to how at this point in time, he was like, well, that girl who's on the Cheerios, Becky, yes. you don't you don't call her like the R slur. Exactly. And Finn was like, no, no, I would never. She just has Down syndrome. She's my friend. And which is interesting to think that we were already having that conversation in 2010 about not like taking that word away from our vocabulary. Absolutely. Um, well, it, it, it also, it, it's, it kind of, it, it kind of triggers you while you're listening to it because Michael Malley does say that, that yeah. word, he says the R word. Yeah. yeah. Um, like to make, like as he's making this point. So even then you're seeing that he still hasn't, mm-hmm. you know, like he was, he, he saw, you know, even cause he's making the point. So like, if you were one of the, if you were like, the badly created caricature of like Fox News's version of a social justice warrior mm-hmm. and like stopped him in the middle of it and go, actually, the R word is also bad and you yeah. shouldn't use that either. He would be like, what do you want from me? I am trying, God damn it. Yeah. Right. Like, it, it's, it, it, that's, that's, I think when a lot of people are, I, I don't think this happens as often as maybe like Fox News wants it to seem like it happens, but like, because they want to make it seem like every time someone tries, they get slapped down anyway because they don't know all the rules. Right. And I don't know how often that happens, but I'm sure it does happen. And when it does, I really would love to believe that the other person in the room does not stop them in, in the middle of them getting something to complain about how they're getting to that point. Yeah. Like, do you want... Patton Oswalt has a bit about, uh, like, you can have somebody very politely elucidate a horrible argument like a great mm. example is william f buckley who was the first who's the creator of the national review magazine like the first uh, he had like a bunch of uh uh debates with james the writer james baldwin in the 50s and he like very like he had you know like a yale or yale or harvard educated he could very he could elucidate arguments in very polite and well-constructed well-thought-out ways but the thing he was talking about was why segregation was good. 
Mm. But he could do it in such a way that was intellectual and made you actually consider his proposition. And like that's very that's very subversive and dark and very scary is the people who can do it that way. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do you really want to yell at the person? The Patton Oswalt bit comes in is like, but do you really want to like come down on the person who's like, yeah, man, I don't care what F words and N words do with each other, you know, like who still doesn't get it. Like there's you still using the R word and the F word, but they're they have a very laissez faire attitude like, yeah, they can do whatever they want. It doesn't bother me like they have a right to live the same as any like he makes the point like the point is good, but he doesn't know how to elucidate it yet because he's still using words he shouldn't use. Yeah. So that's what Bert is. That's what Bert right. is to me. That makes sense. Yeah, I think the thing I always love about Bert is that they show him as a man and a father in progress. Yeah. Like, that they recognize that he's still learning how to sort of accept, like, his son, but he knows that he loves Kurt more than, you know, his own internalized, like, issues. And so I like that it's never just, like, he's the perfect dad but he's willing to like try and he's very very protective of his son in a way i think that is nice to see in this yeah so he's he's the best part of this scene obviously and he does tell finn that he can't stay here because we can't Mm -hmm. have that poison in his house um i get it um and then where does he go though we don't know that was never established but bert leaves he goes into the infinite he goes into the infinite green room that the rest of the cast goes exactly. to, to get to, like an infinite green room with unlim- with infinite doors that <laughs> takes you to every scene, and so that's why they're able to get to towns four hours away constantly. He right. goes into his idle animation. Yes, um, and then Bert leaves and just goes, the place looks great. Which it does Yes, but... I, l- <laughs> I love how angry he still is when he says it Yeah, Because he's still angry, but not at Kurt, obviously, but he can't come down off the anger, so he just, like, there's a pause after Finn leaves, and he looks at Kurt, and he just goes, the place looks great. <laughs> solid button, solid button to a scene. It is. Um, but then we're, uh, so then we have less uncomfortable. Well, depends on who you ask. Well, because, yeah, I mean, I was actually looking, I'm looking forward to this discussion because we're back in the choir room. They're mm-hmm. still wearing the same Lady Gaga outfits. Yeah. Um, it's Lady Gaga. I feel like you can change it up quite a bit, especially if everyone's mom knows how to sew. How many days in a row have they been wearing these outfits to school? They I can't mean, smell good at this point, especially exactly. after that bad romance performance. That and how do you launder those? You don't. Exactly. Um, but f- f- uh, Puck has something mm, to quite. say. <laughs> Puck has something to say to Quinn. And I fully thought we were going back to singing to the baby energy. I mean, we're not not doing that. The baby's right. present. The baby's there, but like, it's not like um, it, it, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember what um episode of that was where Finn was just full on singing to the baby. Yeah, that was the one that I mentioned earlier. Stand by you. Saying, yeah, stand by you. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. Okay. Um, I, I was confusing it with the one where he's in uh the Fabre home and he's singing. You're That's having my Paulinka. baby. It yes. all comes back to those two performances. It's clearly. Anyway, um, so then they sing another Kiss song. So this is like the world's tiniest seat plot. It literally has a total of two scenes devoted to it. This, like, Finn, no, Puck wanting to be part of the baby's life and trying to figure out a name. Um, this is it. We don't really talk about it further. It's just like an excuse to get this song in there, I guess. Um, sure. Uh, from what I've heard, this performance of Beth is 
because it's been talked about on the podcast of the actual Glee cast, uh, that no one likes this song. Is this song bad? Not that I'm aware of in the sense of, like, the greater discography of Kiss. I, I don't I don't have any... Uh, granted, I'm not, like, an expert, so mm-hmm. for all I know, there could be... Uh, there could be a raging song. debate raging debate going on in the Kiss community. I have Kiss no community, answers. by the way, trademarked. Trademark Kiss community yeah. uh, is the name of uh, my online dating service that I will be starting. Nice. <laughs> yeah, called it. Um... Yeah, I, the Glee cast doesn't like this performance, so I was like, I don't mind this song. Do I have bad taste? That's possible. It was I fine. Mean, it was fine. I always like, on on Glee, My usually my favorite numbers are always done by the characters who don't get numbers. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. I don't, with, with very few exceptions, and usually it only comes down to if I like the artist they're covering, the g- people who get a song every episode, like Leia Michelle, like, I don't, Mm-hmm. Like it, and it's the same with musicals in general too. With me, is that I will often find myself gravitating towards the character that only gets like a song, and then like because it's yeah. like overstimulation. You have the same like two or three people getting all the numbers, and then here you have one person, uh, like uh, uh, Act Two of um, the Frozen musical, uh, mm. the the Higa number, where it's like there's this one person they have one number in the whole show. But they're also the only person other than the main three cast members that sings. So it has a novelty to it that I gravitate towards. So like when you have episodes where Sue has a number or you have episodes where Puck or Brittany have numbers, I tend to gravitate towards them more because I'm not used to hearing them and it's novel and original. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but so like usually that's the case. Beth, I'm not. It's eh. I guess like I don't know if it wasn't like that. I guess maybe it says something that, like, none of my notes are about the song, and all of my notes are about, like, half of the women here hooked up with Finn or dated Finn. Um, True. Where did the strings come from? It ended, and, like, sa- like, as soon as it ended, a truck honked its horn outside my building, <laughs> and that was just funny. <laughs> that's, but, it, that's what you're having notes on, and this song was clearly not that remarkable. We've clearly talked about it too long already. I think I had this, I like, like, in terms of, like, slower numbers, this one's okay, so. Yeah. That's pretty oh. high praise for me. I was gonna say, yeah, you, if you didn't hate it, then that's, it's like. It's high praise, it's high praise. Yes. <laughs> also, I don't think you're allowed to name the baby you're giving up for adoption. I don't think you're allowed to say, this is the baby, you get to keep it, but I want it to be named this. Yes. Is that cool? Uh, right. You hand it off to the, to the new parents, we shall call her Schmemmerhorn. Yeah, <laughs> because I feel like you could really fuck up a kid that way. Um... <laughs> Then we go back to an auditorium where yes. Rachel has to learn that parenting is more complicated than just giving birth to someone. Exactly. Um, I don't know. The one thing that really took me out of it, though, is that it was too late for them to have a relationship, which mm-hmm. I would argue it's not. Like, it's going to obviously be very different, and, like, that's going to take... That would take a long time to figure out. Um, but it... it I, Speaking of shoehorn, this scene just felt like, and this whole episode just felt like a way to um, not neatly tie up Adina Menzel's plot line so yeah. they could send her on her way to her next contract. Right, um, she was busy. All, all, all themed episodes are like that. Yeah. Yes. Going, for, going forward. They're all pretty much like that. It's the, if, if Beth didn't do it, for me anyway, the stripped down version of Poker Face totally read as the writer's room running out of relevant Kiss Gaga songs for the stories they were trying to tell. Well, yeah. that was my question. My question was, 
why this as a duet? Why are you singing a song about a threesome hookup with your mother slash daughter? This is my least... I'm gonna say it, it's probably gonna change for the further we go into this show, but I hate this number so much. I loathe yeah. this number with a deep passion because I don't think it sounds good as a stripped-down number. I just don't like mm. it. And it's the weirdest song to sing with your mom, and it's so out of character. Like, if Rachel yes. knows what her mom can do, there's no way if, like, well, let's give one one final duet that she's gonna pick a stripped-down Lady Gaga song. She would not pick that. She would pick... There's so many other songs. I'm, pick a classic Broadway song. Like like she does nowadays with Gwyneth Paltrow, who she just met. Yeah. 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 Um, exactly. And so, I'm like, that shoehorned is the exact right word for it. They're like, we gotta get another Gaga song in here, so we're you gonna mean, do this You one. mean shoehorned? Exactly. Oh, my it's God. S-H-U-E horned. Oh, that's Fuck really you, good. Nick Brigadier. That's really I know good. you're listening. It's always good when you have to spell out the joke to make sure everyone gets it. <laughs> Look, that look. If you don't laugh immediately, I assume that's what needs to happen for the laughter to 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 to, um, it, it, to begin. We will absolutely be stealing that to put on merch. Um, for, oh, you haven't laughed at it. Obviously, this needs to be explained. So, step one. Um, we uh, so okay. First of all, uh, Lady Gaga had songs out at this time. They could yes. have done Just Dance. They could have done Paparazzi. Like paparazzi would be a better number to slow down. It would down. have been an awesome song for them to. I don't to... know if paparazzi was out. I think it was. Oh, or I don't know. They did funny face in the middle of the episode. Just do a different right? song that sure. isn't right? Lady Gaga Do literally song. put the other Lady Gaga song somewhere else, and yeah. do this a song that makes sense. Also, this song was eight hours long. It was. It just kept going. How is it? It's because this song is supposed to be a fast song, which plays quickly. And so when you strip it down, it takes two days to listen to. I was surprised by that too. Um, Also, I do. We do have to appreciate that they finally addressed Brad. Brad, he's he's just just around. around. Yeah, which excellent. Otherwise, I thought it was a very sweet scene. Like just from an acting perspective, like the content of it was shoddy at best, but. Um, it was like, it, it was a sweet, I thought it was a sweet moment done by two talented performers. Yeah. Um, it's cute would... that, oh, it's cute that she gave her the, uh, the cup that had gold stars on it, because gold stars are kind of her thing. Yeah, but then we had to bring it around to the, but if you're ever feeling thirsty, which is a weird thing to say to someone when you're giving well, them a gift. I don't, it is, but also I don't think we had the term thirsty in the same way in 2010. No, but it's trying to circle back to this, like, when I was sad, I would always get thirsty thing, and so they're trying to tie yes. it back, and it's weird, yeah. and they shouldn't be making it happen. Fine, I'll give you that. You know how, like, 2010, you know, that that line of dialogue where she was like, here, just in case you're ever thirsty, trap queen, and we're like, what does that mean? <laughs> I said, hey, what's up? Hello. Glee actually invented the term? Um, yeah, I, I hate this number so much. I think the their send-off is pretty good. I, I agree that the suddenly being like we can't have any relationship is weird and wrong um but it's ruined for me by the fact that they sing poker face for five months and i didn't like it <laughs> i like how your span of time with how long the song takes just continues to heighten and i explore hate this itself. song so much it so- it doesn't sound good like this it's poker face is a good song poker face it's not even like eight years it's not even the slowest song that we've heard thus far no, but it's a song that is deliberately not supposed to be slow, made right. slow, which means its crimes are greater. Right. Anyway, I hate this. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, goodbye, Adina Menzel. It's been yeah. real. 
see you later. Um, then they're all in their costumes, and Phil, uh, Phil, Will is like, why are you all in your costumes? And Artie's like, it's the end of the week. I thought we thought you would tell us the moral of this story. And um, she was like, I don't know. Um, guess I got ahead of myself on this one. But then Tina comes back in looking stunning, full goth, <laughs> um, because she had scared Figgins out of this um, dress code debacle, whatever. Yes. And then she ends it with, um, oh, she says, Asian vampires are the most vicious of all. I have sure. to go back to my coffin, which was very funny. You know, if the best way to get what you want is to use fear. So yeah, yeah I, wa- I watched I watched it and then wrote down, ha 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 ha, students threatening teachers and getting away with it, just like the real world. Just pretty like much, it. yeah. And then Kurt is being threatened. Um, there's a my roommate pointed out there's a diamond like on the bottom of his like near his chin, yeah, and it looked he's like. Got a mole. And it looked like um he was crying a diamond. No, it's his little diamond uh, beauty mark. Yeah. He's- Fancy. Um, but Finn, the hero, saves the day in a shower curtain. Does showing up in a shower curtain really redeem homophobia? I don't think I tell, so. I told you, he needs at least another season <laughs> or half a season. He's learned it for now. Yes. He isn't seasoned yet. No, he is not no. seasoned. Or if uh, he is, he's I, seasoned poorly. He... I would also like to point out, sorry, a general... Just a general Glee thing, because it didn't happen in this episode, but I know you guys have talked about this in a previous episode. So, like, this episode was very good, at least, about setting up the reasons why people are singing songs. We're like, okay, you're in the classroom setting, or we're doing it in the auditorium. But it's not like one of those episodes where, you know, Finn is in a room with Quinn and her parents and just starts singing to her. You know, like, I I know in a previous episode, you guys were were questioning the logic of, like, well, where does it make sense for people to sing in this show? Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't seem to maintain any logical consistency. And the, after I watched this episode, I went back and I watched season two, the wedding episode. Mm -hmm. And, uh, again, Ian, you won't remember any of this, but spoiler alert, the, uh, the. You're probably right. Two. Mm -hmm. Two character, two characters are getting married, and so the of course that means the wedding starts with the entire Glee club singing, you know, "Wish I'm Gonna Marry" or whatever that yeah. song is. You know, I think I'm gonna marry the Bruno one. Mars one. Yeah, the Bruno Mars song, and because of course, and I just when I watched the show originally, I came I came up with this character that like shows up after a couple seasons. I wish they had actually gone through with it. But I just wanted to throw in them to throw in a random character at the school who'd show up to all of like the real world, real world musical numbers. Like he'd be in the church during the wedding or and he'd just show up on every so often when they'd be like at lunch somewhere or in a restaurant. And every time a real world musical number happens, he would just get really upset and just start shouting like, not what is with you people? Not everything is a fucking musical. <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're just at the Sizzler. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. I just wanted that character to comment every so often about how, what is up? I am in, I, sir, for some reason, I just tend to be in this room when you guys are in a room. It's definitely. I don't know what our path, yeah, what our paths are, but like, why can't you just fucking talk to each other? Why is everything a goddamn musical number? I could imagine it's one of those extras that just walks, like, throughout the hallway while people are belting their brains out. 
I don't know. I don't like it when people sing full volume on the subway. It's <laughs> yes. disrespectful. Why do you think I want to listen to you sing this song? Even if you're good, I have headphones in because I'm listening to other people sing. Yeah. Right. Like, I don't... I don't want to listen to your I'm shit. Try- this is a Ponderosa Steakhouse, madam. You don't need to be singing about how you, whether or not you're going to give your child up for adoption. Oof. And they would be. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, so Finn shows up to take on Karofsky and Sons. And <laughs> then they're like, oh, you want to take me on? But can you take on all of us? And the entire Glee Club in full Gaga Kiss regalia shows up to, I don't know, threaten them and scare them away. And they, I don't know, Karofsky and Sons go, we would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you meddling Glee Club. And then they're like, next time we'll come back with some friends too. It's like those birds that get bigger, like they scare people off by showing off their plumage. That's what the Glee Club was doing. Yes, clearly. And then my favorite moment... In season, my second favorite moment in season one happens, which is just all of a sudden we hear a slow clap from behind, and I howled. <laughs> Will Schuster just being like, "Okay, guys, that's it. We're freaks, but we're freaks together. That's the lesson. Good job, everybody. You taught me something too. That Arf. is not what he said. I forget what he said because I was too busy." cackling he said you gotta have heart i wish miles and miles and miles of heart Man, now i'm really sad they didn't do that song i like yeah. that song a lot um I, yeah I this what yeah okay we'll talk about damn like damn yankees later um Fine. um yeah this episode just ended it did it did a good it just job did. i didn't I, I it didn't buy it, but... It was, it was that uh, from-the-top energy, um, because mm-hmm. Will's like, we gotta go... Uh, we, now we gotta go focus on sectionals, and then they all, like, newsies jump into the air and it freeze-frames. <laughs> they don't, yeah, but said, that's the energy. He says, next up, regionals, and I just... I seem to... Rec- I don't recall him doing this, but I, I wonder now, based on my knowledge of how the episodes are written, does he do that every at, at the end of every episode basically like without even meaning to does he have that line of like next stop the blankety blank i not they should have made it his thing they should have it's a it's didn't. a decent words yeah oh, anyway so, that's the episode we did it i actually um, really like this episode guys yeah wow really yeah i mean i, I like it, it fine but i'm surprised that this is one that stuck with you for some reason it really did and i mean we talk about it and like we give like this isn't a show that is intended on being snarky like the material just ends up lending itself to a lot of criticism oh, <laughs> and and we're just very funny people we are extremely funny yes and like we went through this and we yes pointed we out, are <laughs> we pointed out everything that was wrong with it but i i i just i really enjoyed it, it for some reason i did did it, did it spark joy yeah holy shit I, yeah. Marie Kondo wouldn't wouldn't have you throw it out. You get exactly. To keep this episode. I get to keep this episode. Thanks, Glee. I'm honestly shocked. Like I didn't expect this to be one that was like Ian's gonna like it. But uh, me I'm neither. glad. Yeah, this this is a middling Glee episode, especially for season one. Like season one, like I said, they're trying to get on their feet, mm-hmm. so it's hit or miss. And when it misses, it misses. Big. And when even when it and even when it hits, it's only ever kind of like. Oh, was okay yeah and this was one of those well it's only okay episodes and it's like i i don't really i i'm pretty apathetic about kiss 
And, like, especially around this time, I did not like Lady Gaga. Mm. I've come... I've come around on Lady Gaga. I think she's super talented. I think her I think her stuff is actually pretty good. But at this time, it was just everywhere, and I was just sick of it. So yeah. I could imagine myself fully avoiding this episode. And then, of course, going back and watching Adina Menzel and Lee Michelle sing Poker Face for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> no good reason. No good reason, no good deed. Um, but Now that I would like to hear them sing. Right? Just the two of them? Anyway, um... But I actually, I like, I was surprised that I actually really liked this episode, guys. Well, I'm glad. If, if you could, please, if you have me back, please bring me back for the Meatloaf episode. I'd love to talk about songs I like. Ooh. See, this is, I love that song. And this, I love that performance on Glee. Okay, we're going to have that whole thing about this. Anyway. I'm, I'm writing um, notes as we speak. Okay, so Steven, are you ready for the quiz time? Yes, this is the only part I didn't prepare for. So, um... <laughs> You have an advantage having seen Glee. Um, the first Glee. question, yep. what musical entity do you wish Glee had covered? What song? I feel like I did like three of those throughout the course of this episode. <laughs> That's, yeah, you probably did, yeah. What song needs to be I... Gleeified? Yeah. Well, because I, I remember when I, I remember I brought up earlier in the episode that as a theater, as a theater guy, part of my reason for watching the show in the first place when it first aired was the idea that like hey i'm a young actor maybe eventually i'll you know uh while the show's still on i'll be on the show what would i want to do if i'm uh so i i used to have embarrassingly enough and i don't think i have it anymore but i used to have a list of songs i would sing if i was ever on glee good Mm. hold on give me one second this is a good start Oh yeah. I don't think it exists anymore. But let also, me... if anyone says they didn't think about what song they would sing on any sort of show that required an audition, they're lying. No, I don't have it anymore. Sorry. All right. So, what song needs to be gleeified? Um, what would I see gleeified, or what would I like to perform on Glee? Either way, <laughs> is the question. I'm, or like, what would you? Uh, yeah, like any, all of the above. Did they do Phantom? Um, they? sort of. Which Phantom song would you like? I feel like they, I feel like it, well, most of the songs don't actually fit the show. Like, you're not doing the song for the Phantom of the Opera in any other context than the Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. But, like, I guess if they did All I Ask of You. They did not do that. That sounds, so. that sounds like a song that they would have, that they, that would have fit their milieu. Yeah. That would have been uh, But other than that, pro- uh, other than that, since I mentioned Bowie earlier, I would say probably, like, Starman. Mm. Mm. And as previously mentioned, they should have done Gotta Have Heart. Yeah. Yeah. That's just Mr. Shoe's whole bag. I don't That's understand how he never yeah. ended up singing that song. Um, and then part two of this question, what musical entity are you glad that Glee never touched? Well, I already mentioned they ruined Rocky Horror, so mm-hmm. they didn't, they didn't, that didn't get away. Doesn't count. Um, did they do any music, man? Ooh, let's find out. I keep a list up for this exact purpose. Nope. They never right, did good. it. good. There. The Music Man. They never touched the Music Man? Good. And that also probably would have been one of the things I would have wanted to do. <laughs> you would have come sense, on and been yeah. the Music You could have been the Music Man. Aww. I would have I would have gone on the show and been like, okay, writer's room, you've got to write a scene that takes place in a billiard hall because I have got a song to sing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I know I've already answered this question before, but I was this week I actually thought of another answer to this. Ooh, um, what, so I just want to throw out there that I'm really glad that Glee 
didn't exist at the same time as Be More Chill. Oh, that would have been excruciating. Because I can just picture, I don't know what character, but there- Artie would have sang Michael in the bathroom. It would be Artie. I'm like, it would be someone singing Michael in the bathroom, and I'm already upset about it. Um, and then it would have been Qu- like Quinn and San- or Brittany and Santana singing, "Do you want to ride? Do you want to ride here?" Yeah. Anyway, I listened to "Be More Chill" again for the first time in a while this week, and I was like, "Oh, Glee should never be allowed to do this." Exactly. Oh God. Um. All right. All right. Well, the second question set is much easier or harder, depending, I guess, on feelings. Oh, not a lot. Um. So let's say it's 2010. You are scrolling through the iTunes store. <laughs> And you're looking to spend a little scratch on one song from this episode. There's only one, two, three, four, five to choose from. So it's Funny Girl, Bad Romance, Shout It Out Loud, Beth, and Poker Face. You have to purchase one of these songs and put it on your iPad. Which one are you taking? Oh, obviously Beth. No. Um, <laughs> just upset a lot. No, it would be. It would be. Uh, uh, it would be Bad Romance. Yeah. Just because hmm. I. Just because. Uh, 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 Oh, what's her for? What's her last name? Rivera. Uh, Naya Rivera. Rivera. Yeah. Naya Rivera. Again, rest, rested. God, that show's cursed. It is. Uh, um, that uh, actually, in preparing for this, my wife was just like on the internet randomly and looking at like uh, like news articles from People magazine, and just randomly a, a article about uh, Heather Morris came came up. I sent it. Just out of nowhere. I sent it to you today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the one where she was talking about like Naya was the only one that told the truth yep. about Leah Michelle's behavior yeah. on set. So I was like, oh, that's weird that came up today of all days. Yeah. Um, right. But yeah, her her when she she gets all the when she gets all like the high parts on the uh, at the tail end yeah. of the song, uh, I would probably do that. And I do recall um, when the show was on, if there was a particular cover they did that I liked, I definitely. That I actually might still have all the covers I've had yeah. downloaded. That's a day that one day I'm going to have to dig up the old iPod and find out what I have on there. Um, Bad Romance, I think, is the only correct answer from this episode. You're right. I Yeah, so I have uh, Total Eclipse of the Heart. Nice. Good choice. Uh, Safety Dance. Good choice. Which is a great, which is a great number. Yep. I did like that. Um, Hello, Goodbye. Gives you hell, which has been stuck in my head Yo, for three weeks now. I love it. You got all the ever hits. since you, when you told me, when you told me about this show, that was the first thing that popped into my head was that episode. Me too. Was the gives you gives you hell episode. Nice. And then it never left. It's just been <laughs> like in the back of my mind ever since. Um. Uh. Anybody, any way you want it, love and touch and squeeze yeah. in. Uh. The Halo walking on sunshine mashup. I think was the first one <gasps> I, I ever that. downloaded. Um, and I'm yeah, getting you, nostalgic. And um, you haven't you haven't heard faithfully yet, but faithfully no. was pretty good. Faithfully was um, good. So my answer. So Karina, you're absolutely correct in that Uh-oh. bad romance is the only is the correct answer. Mm-hmm. I would probably have to go with Adina Menzel singing "Funny Girl" though. Fair enough. I was really Just... afraid you were about to say "Poker Face," and I was gonna have to disown you for for a second. I was too, and then I was like, no, like I want. Like, and I probably would, just wouldn't listen to it that much, but every so often, like, the past couple weeks, I've been on, like, a theatrical fix. Yeah. So I would, this probably would have, like, made its way into that shuffle. That's fair. I, I mean, again, I think your answer might be technically wrong, but in your heart, it's correct, and that's what matters. Thanks, friend. Ugh, well. If you would like people to find you, Steve, where can they do so on the internets and things? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at yourmantrollo. Uh, one uh, one L. Um, you can find me 
on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com. You can find me on all of our good Dapper devil Productions yeah. website. Uh, I'm a, somewhat of a fixture in uh, <laughs> most of the items on that website. Uh, in, most recently in a show called A Show About Coworkers, uh, written and directed by just a huge asshole. This um, guy! Whoa! <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Um, Ian, uh, Ian has been... Uh, Ian has been related to like a couple of paying jobs for me, which is why I keep him around. Valid. Um, and, uh, and he always seems to find something to put me in, which I guess is okay, because you know, like as an actor, I really try to be uh, like exclusive about the things that I'm in, <laughs> and not like you know uh, an attention whore who has to be in everything and has to be have really good scenes in everything. That's not really me. Um, <laughs> Right, Ian? My only response is, bitch, we just won a festival, so you're welcome. We want a festi. We, we want, want a festi. Adorable. Fiesta. Let's get that started. Let's make that start. Yes, that hashtag we want a festi. Started. Put it on um, a shirt. On our, I, the, Nick probably plugged this as well, the podcast that he, uh, our friend Mike Russell and I do called the Song Topsy Report. Yes. Uh, where we dissect music in a very mystery science theater thousand, 3000 style uh, it's funny. Go listen to it if you haven't already. It oh, yeah. is. Uh, Karina, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Epic Adventure Of. Um, if you want to go there and talk to me about who is actually the lead singer of Five Seconds of Summer, I would be glad <laughs> to know because my interest is only tangential at best. Um, you can also find me on... <laughs> I don't know why I found that so funny. I, I like talking about boy bands. Sue me. You can also find me on TikTok at Epic Adventure of. I'm sorry, but you can. Also, I had a TikTok go pretty well for me. It was about really? D&D, though. It wasn't about Glee. People love TikToks. Thank you. I, I rode that high for like a full week. Um, yeah. Anyway, sometimes I have scripts for um, TikToks that I don't do. So, hmm. just like nice. a real content creator. Ian, Ian, where can people find you? You can find me at iBroski on Twitter and Instagram, uh, iBroads on TikTok. Again, I'm sorry. Um, it's been pretty <laughs> dead lately. Um, but I've been busy winning awards, guys. Um, Disgusting. I'm so, I'm, I know. You're right. That's terrible. Um, and you can Award fi- for biggest whore. <laughs> you know, that's fair. That's, that's me. Um, that's and what it says I- on your website, which is what? <laughs> ianjbrodsky.com. <laughs> Oh, God. Um, the show is at Glee Aggressive, gleeaggressive at gmail.com. Um, yeah, send us your thoughts, your feelings. Um, you can tip the show um, in the show notes if you so feel that is uh, the thing to do, and um, we would like to encourage you to do that because it is the thing to do, supporting art. And also share the show around if you don't feel like doing that. Tell your friends, rate, review, subscribe, etc. <laughs> Etc. Especially if your friends are named Brad or Ryan or Ian. Either of those two. If if they are Brad or Ryan, just yeah. please just go ahead and do that. Um. Well, that has been our episode. No, we did it. Um, we did it. It was wonderful to have you on, Steve. Yeah. Uh, come back anytime. We appreciate your thoughts. No. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> write that down, Ian. <laughs> Um, shout it, shout <laughs> it, shout it out loud. Um, so you can, thank you for watching this episode with us. Uh, folks, you can join us next week 
We are going to talk about season one, episode 21, which is right before the finale of this episode. Um, I will say that this episode is just called Funk. Oh, shit. So, think about that for a while. But, uh, Ian, does this episode make you want to watch the next episode? It does. Yay! We did it. (laughs) 